Welcome to the Cross-Border Interview Podcast, a podcast about getting out from behind the keyboard and just talking. Each week, we invite a guest or two to sit down and talk about their life and their work. I'm Christopher Brown, your host, and this is the Cross-Border Interview Podcast featuring Crystal Shawanda. So, Crystal, I start off all my interviews with the exact same question, so you're no exception to this. Where did your sense of music come from? Um, I just, I was, yes, I was just born with it. Um, you know, I, I ever, my mom always said that since I was a little girl, she said that you always had, like, she said I would march around the living room um, when I was like two years old beating on a drum. And she said, I always noticed that you were always right on time. You're always right along with the song. And I would remember lyrics very easily and melodies very easily. And I would make up songs since I was like three years old. And, and I think it was because I was surrounded by music, though. You know, my mom sells herself short. She always sang along with music. And my dad was a closet singer and guitar player. And honest, like when I jumped on stage at six years old, I didn't think it was a big deal because I thought everybody sang. I thought that was something everybody did. So it was just very natural. <laughs> and how did your parents foster that music, uh, musical uh, ambition inside you? Was it letting you go up on that stage from time to time? Or was it more, you need to do it this way, because you're going to be big because you do have that timing, you do have that sense of music in you from such an early age? Um, you know, they, they just kind of supported me, they never pushed me, they always let me lead the way because my dad always said that, you know, we're not always going to be there. So you have to learn, like, even though you're young, you have to learn to your way and just take me to place tell them. I was saying I heard there's a talent show or I heard there's a karaoke contest or variety shows on the island that I was from. And then it just, I build up notoriety really quickly. Like a lot of people, like even if it was an open mic, people would contact my parents and they would ask them to bring me and they would actually, you know, cause they knew that my parents didn't have a lot of money. So they would give us money for gas money and like food and stuff. And, and even though it was an open mic, like these weren't, they weren't supposed to pay anybody, but they would give money for me to come. Um, so that's how my parents supported. They just kept taking me places to sing. And, you know, it went from open mics to, you know, my dad, he became a truck driver when I was around 12 years old, and that's what led me to Nashville. So, and I kind of think that my dad became a truck driver just so he could get me to Nashville. <laughs> well, it he sounds like it was the... his dream, but I'm pretty, yeah, I'm pretty sure that was his ulterior motive. <laughs> I'll drive her to Nashville if it's, it's going to kill me. I will get her to Nashville one way or the other. <laughs> Definitely. Um, so... Looking back uh, at your career so far, because you've had a whirlwind of a career, you've released albums, you've gone from obscurity in your remote uh, community to a national star in uh, Canada and in the United States. What do you chalk that up to? Do, is it your determination to just put out the best music you can every single time? Or is there something else that's saying, you know what, I can do it because X was my factor that pushed me to do it? Um, you know, I think it just, <laughs> I, it's all I've ever had, you know, it's the only thing I've ever been good. I always say that if I can't sing, I, I'm totally screwed because I've never been good at anything else. <laughs> I was never a good student and I, you know, I, I have major ADD. I don't pay attention to things. <laughs> and, um, 
you know, it just comes down to my, my resilience. Uh, I'm, I'm very relentless. I'm very stubborn and determined. And, um, you know, my whole life, I've just always, you know, when I get knocked, when I fall flat on my face, I just get back up and go, oh, well, that didn't work out. So what do we do now? <laughs> so that's, that's, I think that's, you know, what I can attribute all that to is just my resilience. You know, I don't, I don't mind failing. I don't, uh, you know, I don't, it's not an ego trip for me. I just, I, I know I'm lucky that singing is my job and, and, uh, you know, I just, I never give up. I, I really hope I can do this until I'm in a rocking chair. <laughs> well, let, let, let's talk about the new album, uh, Church, uh, sorry, <clears throat> Church House Blues. Um, this is a unique version of you that I've never heard. Uh, it's it's becoming uh, who Crystal Shawanda is. I heard your, it seems that in the last two or three albums, you become more blue country. Is that what you were aiming for when you came out with the uh, Church House Blues? Um, you know, for me, it's, it's just, it's been a journey, you know, like this is my fourth blues album now. And, um, you know, the first few ones, I think I was trying to prove that I was a blues singer and I was trying to fit in. And then I, there was also a part of me, like, some of the on my first blues albums there was like some rootsy americana songs and i think that was me trying to still my country music fans because i was having a hard time letting them go because you know when i switched to blues i actually had a lot of people coming up to me and like telling me to my face like okay now that you're blues i'm not going to listen to you anymore i'm not going to buy your albums anymore and i was like um okay thanks for telling me i guess <laughs> And, uh, you know, um, but I feel like with this album, with Church House Blues, I finally got to that point where I'm like, you know what, this is who I am. And, and it feels really good. And it feels like my voice, this is what it's meant to sing. I'm not holding back. I'm not trying to fit, squeeze my voice into this tiny little box. Now I can just let it fly, you know, like a bird. And, and that's how I feel. And so this album is kind of really a celebration of all of that. I'm, I'm not trying to fit in. I'm not trying to prove how blues I am anymore. Now I'm just kind of like, you know what, take it or leave it. This is who I am. Um, this is what I like to sing. And I think you guys would have fun dancing to this at one of my shows. That's how I feel. So, yeah. So you mentioned a few things there I want to unpack here. Um, this is the first album, like you said, where you're able to get outside that box of trying to uh, impress your former fans or current fans to say, this is who I am. This is the album I wanted to put out. Was it easier to write this album compared to past albums? Because like you said, you were able to do it so openly and just say, you know what? I'm going to do it the way I want to do it. And I'm not going to fit into the box that people think I'm in. Um, yeah, I think, I think kind of it was definitely because, you know, it's funny when we started out, the initial plan was half the songs were going to be um, cover songs, old blues cover songs. And then the other half were going to be songs I wrote. And then when we sent the songs into the record label, True North Records, um, they actually loved the originals more. They said, we like the covers, but we just really love this point of view that we've never heard from you before. And they said, send us more. And I think hearing them say that kind of um, repaired my confidence <laughs> as a songwriter because, you know, I've worked with a lot of different teams over the years and something I heard from one of my very first uh, record deals that I was on was, you know, my A&R lady actually said to me, 
Crystal, you already have the big boys. You can't be a great songwriter too. You can't do it all. <laughs> so somewhere along the line, I think I lost confidence in myself as a songwriter. And so when they asked for more of my songs, I was like, oh great, they just want me. And so I just started writing and they, it came pretty easily and we recorded them and they love the new originals. And so yeah, it's, it's, been, a, it's been a journey. It was, it was easier because they said, they were because they accepted me so it made it that much easier to be myself what is your writing style how does crystal sit down and write an album is it it does it come naturally is it basically you you're humming a tune one day you write down the lyrics and you go to the recording studio or what is your process because i think uh people don't understand that it is a process where you actually have to come up with it it's not just something that comes off the top of your head every single day it's a process where you go through multiple takes so what is the process for crystal um you know on this album we had we had a few different approaches you know I'm, I'm really lucky that I, I'm married to my husband my husband is my guitar player and my producer so it's it's really I'm it's very convenient so like I'll be playing with our little three-year-old and all of a sudden you know we'll be watching one of her cartoon movies and all of a sudden I'm like oh that would make a great song and I'll, I'll yell out to him while he's cooking in the kitchen I'll be like hey you know what I want to write a song about this subject and I think it should kind of be like this but I don't know and then He'll come back to me a few hours later and he'll play a melody on his guitar. He goes, I was kind of thinking that this would kind of match up with what you were talking about. And I'll be like, yes, that's it. Or either I'll say yes or I'll say, no, I don't really like that. <laughs> and then he'll keep pitching me, you know, different ideas. And then other times it's like the other day, um, this melody kept singing in my head. And I just said to him, I said, hey, I went running out to him while he was filling up the, the swimming pool. And I went running out to him. I'm like, I got this idea. And I just started singing this melody to him. And he's like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I like that. What's, what's your, what's, what is it going to be about? I'm like, I don't know. I just like the melody. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then on this album, um, a friend of ours, Darren James, he actually sent us um, some beats that he made up. And he said, hey, I thought this was a really cool beat. I know you guys are doing blues, but I really feel like Crystal could do something with us. And then we ended up writing the song, Blame It on the Sugar, around the beats that he came up with. So it was my first time writing like that. So um, it was a new experience for me. So it, I'm learning as a songwriter as I go along to be open to ideas about my approach. And I'm starting to uh, get a little more um, you know, diverse in, that, in, that, in the way I approach my songwriting. So are you your toughest critic or is your husband like when you come up with an idea when you pitch it to him does he say are, are you out to left field here or let's try and work on this together like how does that work are you the toughest critic in the family or is he is or is he <laughs> you know what i'm i am the toughest critic but then also sometimes he is you know like it's always different but i am i am very critical of myself like like we'll have a really awesome show and i'll watch some of the footage back and i'll be like ah, geez, I got to work on this. And, and you got to, you got to give, do this. And I got to do this. And, and they'll be like, everybody will be like, that was an amazing show. I'm like, yeah, but it could be better. <laughs> so that's how I am about everything. You know, I'm, um, you know, even in the recording, like that's why I kind of stepped away from being a producer on this album. And I, and I asked them to produce it this time is because I, sometimes I overdo it with picking myself apart because, you know, I, I had some of the best teachers and mentors in the business when I was working at RCA records. And, and that's what they taught me is, you know, you are, um, 
you know, you, you have to be critical of yourself. You have to keep raising the bar for yourself. And um, I feel like I continue to do that. But at the same time, you know, sometimes I'll come with an idea to my husband and, and he'll be like, he knows how to approach me now though. <laughs> so he'll be like, that's really cool. What if you kind of went like this? I know, and I know what he's doing when he does it. And I'll be like, yeah, I guess that's better. <laughs> and then we'll go with that. So, you know, um, we've grown over the years. When I was a lot younger, I used to be a little more um, <laughs> of a diva about it. But now I'm way more like, I know his ideas are better. You know, he's been a musician and a producer a lot longer than me. And when he comes back with an uh, input, I'm, I always, now I consider it. Whereas before I used to shut it down right away. <laughs> So when you heard the full uh, album that just came out in April, who was more critical? I have to ask, was it him? Would you say, oh, maybe we should have done uh, song three fourth? Or was it, was it like when you heard it the first time you said, there's nothing wrong with this. This is the best album we put out to date. You know what? Because we went back and forth when we were mixing the album and going over the songs, we actually had guidance this time, you know, because the last few albums I put out on my own record label. And then this time I was with True North Records. So we had more guidance this time, which was very, very comforting. Like before, it was almost like we were shooting in the dark. Like, we don't know. Is this good? I think it's good. <laughs> I mean, we like it, but who knows, you know? And But this time they were like, they were giving us critique and telling us what they liked about it. And so I think it gave us confidence in what we were doing. And then, it, you know, and we were so critical over the mixing stage. Like, it took a lot longer. Like, we, we went, uh, like, a month and a half longer than we were supposed to on the mixing just because we kept critically picking it apart <laughs> and then you know the label started to get impatient they're like look if you don't send us the mixes we're not going to be able to release it this year and um so we finally sent it in and when we finally heard it mastered and listened back i think this was the very first time that we both listened to it and we we're like wow we we love this like and there's not a thing we would change about it and um even now like, the other day i was listening to it and i was like I'm really proud of this, you know, the quality of it. And like, we actually mixed a couple of songs in our home studio. Um, this is the first time my husband stepped up and he engineered a couple of songs himself, whereas usually he has an engineer on the side um, assisting him. Um, but this time he did it on his own and we're, we're really proud of the way it turned out. And we're very happy. And there's actually not a thing I would change about it. And just on that, it, you didn't just record this in one studio, you recorded this in multiple studios. So that must have been interesting to get a different, unique perspective in different studios and learning the different uh, studios for themselves. Yeah, definitely. It always takes on a whole new vibe, a whole new, you know, uh, character the music does when we're when we're recording it. Um, one of the studios we, we recorded, and we've been working in the past few years, so we felt very comfortable there. And the other one, um, it was just about, you know, we couldn't get our usual studio at that time. So we had to go into a different studio. And then, um, then the last little bit, we worked in our home studio. We do, we work with a lot of other artists in our studio, but we usually do our stuff elsewhere because we work with multiple people, you know? Um, so it's mostly about having the room for everybody. <laughs> and, uh, but this was the first time we did a lot in our home studio and, um, and we were actually really pleased with it. And, and uh, like the song, uh, Bigger Than the Blues, 
completely you. recorded and Mick are only happy about that. We're, we're growing as producer engineers and uh, it's, it's always exciting to, you know, learn a new trade. <laughs> Understandable. Now this album came out like right at the beginning of COVID-19. So it, like to for a normal year you'd be out touring so what are you doing to pass time and engage with uh fans to get them to listen to the album well we've been doing a lot of online shows um like I go live a lot on my facebook page and then um we also have been getting hired to do live shows for other organizations like i did um, an online show for the downey wenjack fund and also for some film festivals i did a music festival um you know so there are still some events out there that are doing online shows you know so um but then I've also been trying to get more creative, you know, like I'm getting more attentive with my YouTube channel just to engage with my fans more. Um, so I'm concentrating on building up, building content and ways to interact with my fans. And, um, and yeah, so that's kind of what we're, I actually just put up a post today, just letting everybody know, you know, like it's a new world, it's a new frontier. So, um, you know, if you're, if you have an event coming up, if you're a community and organization, like we'll even do a birthday gram. <laughs> You know, like we're we're basically selling these uh, private because that's what we've been doing is selling shows to private buyers. So that's what, I just kind of put up a post today and just said, you know, whether it's one song or one hour, we can um, tailor the show to whatever your needs are. So, you know, we have to adjust and adapt as musicians if we want to hang in there and keep making music as our profession. So that's what we're doing. And do you find it? Do you find it easier to connect virtually now? than it was say at the beginning of this because people have now molded themselves to the new norm of COVID-19 and we are now living in COVID-19, post-COVID-19 connections. So are you willing, like if this goes on for another year to connect with your fans in this setting for the rest of potential 2020, 2021? Yeah, definitely. I'm I'm ready for it. You know, like that's why I put up that post today is because it's like, you know, I seen a headline the other day that said touring is not going to happen till 2022. And I'm like, whoa, that's that's a long way away. <laughs> you know, so, um, you know, we have to put our egos aside and we have to just jump in and 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 really work for it so you know that's kind of why i put up that post today is planting that seed and letting people know that this is what we're planning on doing so you know um for now for the long run that's what we have to do so you know that's why i was like if you have any events coming up consider me <laughs> so you know but like i said earlier i it's never been you know it's never been an ego trip for me anyway so i'm i'm you know i'm just trying to take care of my family that's where i'm at right now and I find that very refreshing. In today's society, there is so much ego in the music industry. And just talking to you, this is the first time I've ever met you and first time I've ever talked to you. Um, I can say you are so down to earth. How do you, how do you stay so down to earth in, in being such a big, massive music star? <laughs> you know, um, I think it, it's, it's I, I, I just can't be fake. <laughs> I just can't. Um, you know, I think that was, I think that's one of the things that has actually helped me back with my careers because I'm not a real good schmoozer. Um, you know, I, I, we go to networking events and award shows and whatever it is. And no matter what we do, me and my husband always end up in a corner giggling amongst ourselves, talking about something that happened the other day rather than trying to 
connect with all the major professionals who could open doors for us, you know. I just feel so unnatural, you know. I just feel like if somebody wants to work with me, reach out to me, you know. And um, I, I work hard. I'm, I, I, you know, I, I care about the music I put out and the performances that I do. And I, I feel like that, that should be enough, you know. And I, I feel like it comes from my raising, too, the way my mom raised me to be my parents, my family, where I'm from, you know. If I tried to be fake, I think people from my hometown would call me on it. <laughs> They'd be like, why are you talking like that? <laughs> so that's, that's kind of where, where, where I'm at, you know. And then also um, my time when I was at RCA Records, you know, there was a time when I, I was walking on eggshells. And then um, when I parted ways with them, I was like, okay, I don't want to do that anymore. I'm just going to be myself. And if it works out, it works out. And if it doesn't, then it doesn't. And I'm cool with that because I'm, these days I'm more about quality of life. And now, if, if you don't mind, and if we don't want to talk about this, just wave me off and I will uh, cut this part out of the interview. But uh, being a person of Indigenous background, um, you are a model, a role model for young women across Canada, across uh, the United States. Do you hold yourself in higher standards to speak out about injustices that are going on in First Nations communities? Yeah, definitely. I definitely feel like it's my responsibility and I, I definitely embrace it. You know, some people resent it, but I've always embraced it. Um, ever since I was a little girl, my mom always said, because, you know, when you look on the TV and when you listen to the radio, there's nobody that looks like you. So if you break through and, you know, and you get on that TV and you get on that radio, it is your responsibility to represent your people because you are one of the first ones. And all the little girls who will be looking at you on TV and radio, they're going to be looking at you to lead by, you have to lead by example is what my mom always taught me. And, um, and even though, and I always tell kids, because I always do a lot of motivational speaking with a lot of youth and stuff like that. And something I always say is, you know, don't, you know, don't do as I've done. <laughs> learn from my mistakes, you know, because I'm definitely not a perfect role model, you know, but you can learn from my mistakes. And I'll always be honest about the mistakes that I've made in my life, uh, my career and in my personal life, my battles with, um, you know, um, with uh, the whole partying lifestyle, that's something you get sucked into being a musician. Um, and, you know, and, and then I also uh, pick and choose, you know, I, I, I'm working hard for a platform so that I can raise awareness about Indigenous issues. And, um, you know, I pick and choose when I talk about it and where I feel like it'll be most effective and where it'll make the biggest impact. And, um, you know, uh, but sometimes some people don't understand it. Like, I remember I told somebody from a record label that I used to be with, like, the, everything I just told you. And he was like, well, why do you put that responsibility on yourself? That's such a big heavy burden to put on yourself and I was like but I don't mind you know I don't mind I, I'm I am um you know we're building something and I am one of many who is building something and um, I hope to encourage and inspire many other indigenous youth to um rise up and take the torch and make it take it further than I ever have make it bigger than I ever could have hoped for and uh just blow all my records away I can't wait for them to do that it, it'll be an exciting day when that happens when there's more than just one on the charts looking back at your journey and seeing how far you've come uh like you said you are uh just to name a few one of the few indigenous women who are in the country and blues uh, music industry. Um, 
with everything going on in the world right now with Black Lives Matter, with people finally having enough and saying enough is enough, racism has to stop. Uh, yet again, if you don't want to answer this, I, pre I, I will cut it out. Um, in your time in the music industry, did you feel that racism that, oh, you're an Indigenous person, you're not going to understand, so this white person is going to come in and do it for you better? Um, yeah, I've definitely had many of those experiences. Um, you know, for it's, uh, I think my the biggest one that I had was when I first moved to Nashville when I was 16 years old. Um, you know, I was pretty naive. So I used to go knocking on doors that I had no right to knock on. <laughs> I would go up and down Music Row knocking on record labels, publishers. And just, you know, and I would say to them, you know, I just want to play a couple songs. If you could give me some critique or some feedback of what I need to work on. And, um, you know, and one day I got lucky and I actually went into Sony Music and I got to sit and play music for a very big executive. Um, and he was also a very, very, very big producer. Um, he's produced many big names in country music who are my heroes. And, you know, and I, and I was one of those kids. I used to look at the liner notes on every CD that I bought and, you know, and I'd see his name there and I'd be like, oh, my God, that's so cool. And. And so one day I got lucky and I actually got to go in his office and he asked me to play a couple of songs for him and I played them and he said, you know, um, you're amazing. He said, your voice is incredible, uh, but I just wouldn't know what to do with you. Native Americans within country music. I don't think that really, I don't know if it'll make sense. I, don't, I wouldn't even know how to market you. I don't know if the country music fan base is. Um, yeah, so I actually got lucky and we went into his office. And I played a couple songs for him and, and he said, you're amazing. Your voice is huge. He's like, but I just honestly wouldn't know what to do with you. I, I don't think Native Americans within country music make sense. I wouldn't know how to market you. And I don't know if the fan base, country music fan base is ready for a Native American artist. And, um, and you know, and I kinda, it kind of sent me in a tailspin. I ended up moving back home to my reserve and spent a couple years partying and um, I gave up music. I said, no more music. And, um, but no matter what, I ended up back on a stage, back in front of a microphone. Uh, people from my community kept telling me, you know, who cares what he said? Like, go back. If we had your ticket, we would be gone and we would go keep going for it, you know, because you have something we don't. And so I did, I ended up moving back to Nashville. And the last time I moved back, I said, you know what? It's, it's not, it's none of my business what people think of me. So if somebody thinks I don't belong in country music, if somebody thinks I don't belong, cause you know, cause that's the thing is I could learn, I could write a new song. I could take voice lessons, but I can't change the color of my skin, nor do I want to. That's, that's the essence of my strength is who I am, my people, our history, the resilience that um, we uh, so famously have. <laughs> And so um, that's what gets me through, you know, so, um, you know, that was one of the biggest things. And, and I'm not saying that he was necessarily racist, but he was definitely aware of the racism that exists within that genre of music and within that um, within the music industry. And there's many more stories like that that I could share. But, you know, each experience um, just reminded me of why I needed to keep going. I have to keep going until we become normal until there's more indigenous artists who are on the mainstream market to where it's, it's just so normal. It's not even uh, an issue anymore. It's not even a topic of conversation anymore. <laughs> I've got so, to ask, um, you know, ask the question though. Have you seen him since the Sony executive <laughs> producer? And he went, worst decision I ever made was letting you walk out that door. <laughs> 
You know what I did when I got my record deal, RCA Records, and we were shopping for a producer. Um, we did a few showcases, and they came out to see me play at Tootsie's. And he actually was one of the people who was trying to produce me, and he didn't remember me. <laughs> he said he kept saying, "You look so familiar. You have we met before?" And I was like, "Yeah, we met." I didn't bother reminding him. And then, you know, and he kept complimenting me and he was like, where did we meet? I was like, we met in your office a long time ago. But again, I didn't bother reminding him. I just, you know, I, I, I made, uh, you know, the way I made it clear, the way I kind of got my little way back is I didn't pick him as the producer. <laughs> I picked somebody else. And, uh, and so that was my, that was, you know, in the music industry, it's a small world. And, um, you know, I wasn't about to use that moment to, uh, you know, take away from the fact that I just got a record deal and we're about to put an amazing record out. Instead, I just kind of did it silently and the money went to the other producer. And, you know, uh, that's how you hit him where it hurts is you take money out of their pockets. <laughs> but he's not hurting because he's still producing a lot of big people today. So, uh, you know, it's just one of those things. But uh, I pick and choose my battles. And, uh, you know, that's one where... Like I said, who knows if he was racist? Maybe he was just he was just aware of the state of society at that time. You know, this was back in the 90s. And and uh, in the music industry, everybody's afraid to lose their job, you know, and um, and I don't blame them. It's 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 a hard gig. You know, you make one mistake and you lose your your role. You, you lose your job. And um, so it's one of those things, you know, in the music industry, I've experienced a lot of different stories like that. Uh, but I just keep trudging along. I focus on the good stuff. And I, um, and like I said, what people think of me is none of my business. <laughs> there you go. What would you tell a Indigenous woman or Indigenous girl or any girl who's trying to break into the music industry today? Because with everything that's going on with COVID-19, uh, you, you still see artists coming through the ropes. Uh, the ropes. You, you have Spotify, you have SoundCloud, you have all of these music streaming sites where anyone can get their start. What would you tell them? Like, because you went through a time when it wasn't this. You had to get the record label. So what would you tell them? I would tell them to be, um, you know, open to... Uh, open-minded and open-hearted be um, willing to work hard and uh, spend a lot of extra time on social media and um, you know to be willing to learn still learn from other people I find that uh, the thing that holds a lot of new artists back is you know um, you know everybody wants to be right and nobody wants to get like if you tell somebody well I think you need better songs they get offended well you have to learn not to get offended you have to you have to have really thick skin and you have to say okay well what would be a better song you know you have to give up to go up so sometimes if you want to work with a company or you want to work with a manager or a publisher they're going to want you to record their songs so I think that's the best advice I can give is um you know try not to be hell bent on being right all the time you know um learn from people and um and be like i said open-minded it's a new frontier so we got to figure out how to maneuver ourselves through this business and um you know network <laughs> see don't do as i do y'all get out there and network <laughs> i'm too introverted to network <laughs> do you have a thick skin now after all these years in the music industry do you have a thick skin where if someone if a manager if a publicist came to you and said we don't like this song we want this song because it's our song what would you say to that person 
Oh, definitely. Well, I'd, I'd listen to it and I'd be like, well, what am I going to get out of this? You know, are you going to, are you going to do a national release? Are you, who's going to be the publicist? Who's going to be the tracker? Where are you going to be pushing this song to? You know, if it's going to get me on a bigger level, then I'll definitely give up to go up. You know, um, it is a business. I definitely have thicker skin. Um, you know, when we were recording, when I was recording with RCA Records, that's when I got my thick skin was um, working there. You know, I, I quickly learned to separate my ego um, from my music. And by that, I mean, like, if somebody criticizes my music, that's not, they're not criticizing me personally. They're, they're criticizing a song that I wrote. And so that shouldn't hurt my feelings because that's just the song I wrote. That's not who I am. And, um, you know, and so that's how I always approach everything. And so I actually got to that point where, you know, I learned to laugh about everything. Like we would be in the studio recording a song and my producer, like I used to have really bad problems with enunciation. And so like I, instead of saying heart, it sounded like I said yard. And he was like, what is yard? And I just bursted out laughing. I was like, I don't know, but I'll try it again. <laughs> And, um, and, you know, that's how I am with everything, you know, or one time my manager said, hey, uh, we noticed you're gaining a little weight there. Um, I don't, look, I'm just going to say it. You're getting fucking fat. Oof. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to swear. Don't worry. We've you had politicians swear on it. Don't worry. <laughs> okay. So sorry. If you want me to and cut then, it out, I'll cut it out. You can like bleep it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so anyways. So, um, you know, and then he said that to me and I just bursted out laughing because I couldn't believe how, you know, uh, blunt people in the music business could be. But at the same time, I laughed because, you know, well, hey, I am the one who's been eating a lot. <laughs> Those box of ice cream sandwiches that I ate was, was probably not a good idea. <laughs> They're like sending me to a trainer and to a nutritionist and here I am going home and eating a big bag of barbecue chips and a box of ice cream sandwiches. So that's what I get, you know? Um, so I learned to not get my feelings hurt. And I'm still like that now. You know, if somebody tells me I made a mistake, I laugh about it and then I fix it. You know, um, that's the great thing about having a team around you is that people can help you be a better artist, be a better musician and uh, be a better, uh, healthier artist <laughs> in shape and all that. Um, you know, so it's just one of those things. I definitely have thicker skin. Yes. <laughs> so my last set of questions before we wrap up here, Crystal, what's next with everything going on in the world? Uh, you have the new album out. Uh, what's next for Crystal? Is it just doing your live videos, connecting with the uh, uh, fans uh, the way that you are with the posts on social media? What is next for Crystal Shawanda? Yeah, definitely. We're going to keep doing all of those things. We've also booked a couple of drive-in shows. I'm going to be playing at the Ottawa Blues Fest drive-in show in August. And then I have a few shows booked in um, New York and Connecticut, uh, social distancing shows. And then uh, just a lot of social media, like I said, um, you know, engaging with my fans. I might start doing some vlogging on my YouTube channel. And then I also have a side project that I'm working on. It's actually an album of Indigenous music. And um, I got a grant from Ontario Arts Council to do it. And it's, it's something I've always wanted to do. And it's kind of, uh, it's kind of a journey album. Like I, I talk about my journey growing up as a, as a res girl from an Indian reservation and moving out into the world, experiencing culture shock and homesickness and, um, you know, uh, building my career and 
becoming an urban Indian and making my way in the world. So that's kind of what the whole album's about. And uh, I'm excited to share because it kind of gives a little more of a personal peek at me, um, you know, my, my true life story. I would almost say it's almost like a movie that was turned into an album. <laughs> now, where are those songs coming from? Are they coming from your, uh, your reserve or are they coming from uh, songs that your mother and father told you? How is this album coming about? And B, when can we hear it? Because I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> Um, these are songs that I've just, I've been writing over the years. Some of them, a couple of them I, st I wrote before I left the reserve, like 20 years ago. And then some of them were songs that I wrote when we were writing for back for my Dawn of a New Day album when I first signed with RCA Records. And, um, and then some of the songs are stuff that I've written more recently. And, um, you know, it's, it's, and, uh, it's really just about opening up about some of the, um, trials and tribulations of you know what it's like moving off a reserve in a big city and uh, being of the world and not just in it and um, so you know we're working on it right now at our home studio so we're hoping um, you know it'll all yeah so it all depends on the record label they'll be putting the album out for us um, so yeah so we'll see hopefully in the fall winter um, but really it's up to them so um, but we're excited to get it out but I may start giving some sneak peeks in my live shows and playing some of these songs just to give everybody a little peekaboo of what we've been working on. Well that's awesome. Crystal I want to thank you very much. We are about 37 minutes and we only had a, a time for 30 minutes so I apologize for keeping <laughs> a little bit late. Oh that's okay. I just awesome. appreciate you understanding. Thank you. Hey, no, it, it happens, right? Things happen and we, it is what it is. But I want to thank you very much for this. I've never chuckled so much in an interview in my life before, <laughs> oh, so thank, thank you. you. <laughs> That's good. Glad I was able to make you laugh today. <laughs> there you go. Anyway, have yourself an excellent day. Uh, stay safe and enjoy your rest of your Monday. Thank you. Thanks for squeezing me in. You take care and be safe. Thank you once again for listening to the Cross Border Interview Podcast. If you love this episode of the Cross Border Interview Podcast, head over to iTunes or wherever you get your podcast and subscribe, rate us, and leave us a review. All the links to our social media accounts are in the show notes or visit www.crossborderinterviews.ca. The Cross Border Interview Podcast was produced and edited by Miranda Brown and Associates Incorporated. Be sure to tune in next Saturday for our next episode of the cross-border interview podcast once again thank you and see you next week Whoa!